Good morning. Good to see you guys made it out this morning. Did you guys like the little snowy, snowy surprise yesterday? No. <laughs> I heard the weather's supposed to warm up again, so praise the Lord. Hallelujah for that. We want to thank uh, John and Gary so much for uh, doing the parking lot yesterday. What a blessing. It looks so good. So you guys could have dry feet walking in. That's so awesome. They did a wonderful job. But we've been in a series. Uh, Pastor Brad started a series called Grow Up, or he, he keeps changing it to Mature. But I tell you, it's just not as much fun when you elbow the person next to you and say, be mature, be mature. Grow up, grow up. That's just more fun to say. So uh, we're going to read uh, the first text this morning out of Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. And it's one that I believe he has already uh, read. But we're going to go back there again and, and talk about growing up this morning and and what it means to grow up and what it means to mature in our faith. And uh, as you're turning there, I'm just going to pray over over uh, the word and over just being anointed this morning to, to preach the word. Father, we thank you for your word, that it is always true. And Lord, we thank you that it is it does what it was sent to do, that it accomplishes in our life, Father, the very thing that it was sent to accomplish. I pray this morning that we would have ears to hear, that we would have spirits and hearts that are soft and ready to be molded by you. Lord, that you would deposit in us the very thing that is needed at this hour in our lives, the thing that, that would cause us to be transformed into your image, Father, that would, we would be changed, Father, in this moment in time to cause us to mature, to cause us to walk in the light of you, expose every dark thing in our life, Father, so that we can walk in the maturity of you all of our days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Hebrews 5.11. It says, and I'm reading out of New King James Version. It says, of whom we have much to say. He's speaking here. Some versions start out going about this or concerning this because he was talking about Melchizedek. And uh, he's, he's speaking to them and he's saying concerning this or about this, we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now that's not like, oh, she's a babe, okay? Meaning spiritually, a babe, like young. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age or mature, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, this is such a powerful scripture because Paul's saying here he's, he's challenging them to grow and mature. You know, he's saying you should be ready. 
You should be ready for more. You should be ready for more meat, but you're not. And he said, concerning this, concerning this topic that I've been talking about through the passages of chapter 4 and chapter 5 about Melchizedek, I want to explain more to you about it, but you're not ready for it. You're not ready for the deeper concept. In fact, you should be ready. You should be able to partake of the meat, but you're not. In fact, you should be teachers yourself but you're not. So this tells us that there's a certain time period that has gone by. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. And so he's saying there's a time period that's passed where you should at this time be able to pour into others. You should at this time be able to to teach uh, the concepts of the basic things of God, but you're not. You're needing to go back on the milk yourself. So we understand from scripture that it's not enough just to come into salvation. God expects us to change. He expects us to grow. He expects us to mature in the things of faith, to grow in the things of faith. And so even through this, he says, we have much to say to you, but you've got a nonchalant kind of attitude. You've got to like, eh, what's this got to do with me? What's this got to do with my spiritual growth right now today? Because many times we can hear things and, and the danger of, of being a Christian, and we're going to go through some stages here in a minute, three stages of growing up, but the danger can oftentimes be, well, I've been a Christian for a long time. Well, I've been a Christian for 25 years. I've seen some people be a Christian for 25 years and they haven't moved an inch. They, they stay in the same place. They haven't grown any. They react the same way as they did 25 years ago. They're still dealing with the same junk that they were dealing with whenever they got saved. They haven't moved in their service to God. They don't love him any more today than they did back then. And that's a problem because this is why the world looks oftentimes at the church and goes, what's the difference? What's the difference between me and you? And, you know, sometimes they look at the church and go, uh, you look more miserable than me, which that's horrible <laughs> because the church should be in a place of victory. The church should be maturing in their faith to where they are the light of the world. They are the salt of the earth. They're what's preserving this earth at this point, preserving things from, from the, the evil overtaking and if we do not stand, if we're not in a place of victory, how can we give that to others? So he's saying you should be in a place of maturing. You should be further along than what you are now. And it says you, you still need someone to teach you the, the, the principles, the first principles or oracles of God. But you have come to need milk and not solid food. But it's interesting because even in, in verse 11, he says, he says, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. You have become, over time, dull of hearing. So it's not that they started out that way. They didn't start out dull of hearing. And dull actually means sluggish, slothful. And I was thinking of this yesterday. 
we all know what a sloth is, right? You guys see those, those sloths and, and they try to crawl across the road and they are the slowest creatures you've ever seen. It's like they just, you're looking and going, are they moving? You know, are they getting anywhere? Slothful. And there's a word that has been made out of the description of how a sloth acts. Slothful. If someone says you're slothful, well, that means you're very slow, very sluggish, very, uh, maybe, uh, we'll see. Not active, not, not uh, moving fast at all. And so he, that's what he's calling them. <laughs> he's saying, you guys are very slothful in your hearing. <laughs> now, that would be a little bit of an insult if somebody said that to you, right? And be like, well, that hurts. <laughs> but he's saying, you guys have become sluggish. You guys have become, over time, you've allowed yourself to grow dull, not sharp in your senses. And so uh, another, another description for that is lazy, lack, lackadaisical, that you've become um, just very, like I said, nonchalant. It's like not a big deal to you. Mentally lazy or spiritually apathetic. This is not where we want to be. We want to be in a place where we're always learning, always growing, always humble, always ready for the word of God to change us, to mold us. So the, these are things that we have to take in our life and look at and say, I don't ever want to be in a place because that means there's a danger. There's a danger for every Christian to become that if they're not careful. But the, the crazy thing is no Christian ever thinks they're the one like that. So there is a, a deceivement that can come up on a person think, well, I'm not like that. Well, I'm not, I'm not that. I haven't become lazy until all of a sudden, you know, you're like, well, I don't do the things that I used to do. I don't feel the way that I used to feel. I don't go after God the way that I used to. I don't read the way that I used to the word of God. I don't pray like I used to. And, and you begin to look at things and go, oh, ouch. I need to become more aggressive in the things of God. And so let's go through this because uh, Paul is, is saying you should be eating milk. And, and he's saying really what, what's going on here, here is you're still on or sorry, meat, but you, you need to be on meat, but you're really still on milk. And when you think about it, how many, uh, how, how many people would be like extremely strong physically if all they ever did was drink milk? It's one thing, I mean, like Jesse and, and Christine, they've got a new baby right now. You know, that baby is, is now coming into the place where it's, it's eating a little bit of smashed up vegetables. When it's a baby and all it takes in is milk, that's what it needs at that point. But if it grows to be 30 years old and all it's drinking is only milk, that child is going to be weak. An adult only on milk will become very weak. And so we as Christians have to realize, like, we can't just stay at the same level. We have to desire the greater things, desire to grow in our walk with the Lord. 
And in fact, there are some 30-year-old Christians, but and, and that's that's where they kind of want to keep it. They just want to keep it at the milk stage. They say, no, I, I wanna I wanna keep my pacifier, I wanna keep my blankie, I wanna keep I wanna keep the diapers. But think about it. A 30-year-old person in diapers and with a pacifier is not cute anymore. It's cute whenever they're a baby. You know, we all look at Jalen and we're like, oh, Jalen, she's so cute. Why? Because she's a baby and she's innocent. And, and that's where she's supposed to be right now. But if she's 25 and she's still doing that and she's like, no, I want to stay here. I want my pacifier. I want my blanket. I, want, I just want to stay in, in my diapers. Well, then we're going to look at her and say, Jalen, it's time to grow up. <laughs> it's time to move out. Mommy doesn't want to change the diapers anymore, you know? So we got we to gotta be ready for that spiritually. We've got to be in a place where we want to come out of those stages. So let's talk a little bit about those stages. Whenever you look at a, a human life, because there are many things that God gives us in, in the physical realm that is a um, representation of the spiritual realm, what goes on in the spiritual realm. And one of those things are the stages in life. And we see uh, from the very beginning, infancy. We see a, a child when they're born, when they're an infant. They grow into childhood and adolescence and then into adulthood. That's the stage of every person, of every individual. Well, that's actually what we're supposed to do as Christians, is when we're born again, when we become a Christian, we're brand new in the faith. We are a new creature in Christ. And so all this renewing of the mind has to begin to happen. But see, what happens many times is a person becomes new spiritually, but then they don't renew anything in the mind. They don't take the word of God and wash their mind with the word of God. They'll, they'll look at the word of God and say, well, you know what? I want to pick this. I want to pick that. Now, leave that out because I don't really agree with that. And that's, that's not, we're not supposed to change the word of God to our own thinking. We have to change our thinking to the word of God. It's got to be what molds us. If it is the word of God and it has all authority, which it does, it is the complete truth. It is all truth, all authority. And if that's the case, then we have to realize that and allow it to wash our mind and think, you know, if I've been taught differently, then I've got to allow the word of God to change my thinking. If I've been shown differently, I've got to allow the word of God to change my thinking and my understanding. And so as an infant in Christ, we go through these stages and we, we, we realize, like, I have to read the word of God, digest the word of God. But in the beginning, guess what? As an infant, it comes with the help of other people right? You have a baby and that baby's not feeding themselves right now. They're getting spoon fed or they're getting bottle fed. And there's a lot of care that's taken with the baby. In fact, you don't just have a baby. Justine and Christine didn't take, I'm sorry, Jesse, I'll probably use you a little bit this morning, but they don't, they didn't take their baby. And after Jalen's born, take her and, and stick her in a room and get, okay, good luck, Jalen. We'll see you whenever you're ready to walk and stuff and come out. They had to take care of her. They had to feed her, change her constantly, every day, more than one time a day. And it, it's a constant thing with a baby. And it's the same thing in our, in our infancy as Christians. 
We've got to check up on that infant. We've got to make sure that they're doing okay, that they're staying plugged into the word of God, that they're staying plugged into church, that they're staying uh, pursuing the things of God. And, you know, you think about it. Even as a baby, you've got to mash their food up for them. You got to, you know, those green beans, you can't just give them a green bean or a carrot. You got to cook it and soften it for them, and then you mash it for them, and then you can spoon feed it. Sometimes we have to take things in bite-sized portions for a new Christian. I'm going to jump back and forth a little bit this morning because sometimes we're looking at someone else and we're going, oh, okay, that makes sense for them. But then we also got to realize, okay, I got to look at myself and realize, like, if I need to be out of the, the mashed up carrot stage, then, <laughs> then I got to grow. So there might be some things yourself you, lo- you look at this morning and go, oh, that was me. I need, to, I need to grow up. I need to change. So, you know, the smashed up, the smashed up bite-sized pieces. Sometimes as a new Christian, I know there would be times Minister Mara, uh, you know, when she was... Uh, had been saved for a couple of years and she was trying to minister to someone in her family or somebody that she knew. And she would say, you know, how do you, how do you get them to understand this? I just, uh, you know, I can't seem to, it doesn't go through. And I said, well, you got to understand they're not in church. They're not getting this like you are and they can't handle the meat. So if you give them a steak to chew on, they'll choke on it. Because it's not like they can understand this concept of, of faith. Not faith as in, oh, this is my faith. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. That's my faith. Not that kind of faith. But faith as in, I walk knowing that the word of God is my shield. It is my source of strength. It is my provision. It is my, my uh, it's what I stand on. It is my shelter. And whenever that kind of faith kicks in, despite what the world is doing, despite the situation, but you're standing on the word of God. You're standing in knowing the character of who Christ is. But when someone is not in church and they don't know Christ at all and and you're trying to hand them a T-bone steak, they, they get choked up because they don't understand what in the world you're talking about. Because their, their, their concept of faith is just, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Buddhist, I'm Hindu, I'm Christian, I'm this, I'm that. And they're like, okay, yeah, I, I get you. You don't believe in or you believe that, that God can heal you, but. And, or you believe that God is your provider, but. And it's not making sense to them. So that's why sometimes we got to hand things in, in bite-sized pieces, smashing it up bit by bit so they can swallow it. What else with, with babies? When they're brand-new Christians, they, they need soothed often, right? They, they, a lot of times they'll, they'll cry. They just That pacifier gets plugged into their mouth, and then they're, they're happy after that. They're soothed. They need pacified a lot. Well, that happens with, with baby Christians. They need pacified a lot sometimes. And that's fine in the beginning, but if you're constantly looking for someone to pacify you, for someone to, to pat you on the back, for someone to comfort you at every, every moment, every level, and then, well, I'm not going back there because they didn't chase me. They did, if somebody has to chase you constantly for you to stay plugged into your faith in God, that's very uh, infant-like behavior. Don't say ouch out loud, okay? 
if you are needing people's encouragement constantly to, to keep your relationship with Christ on track, then you've got to look and say, okay, I need to go deeper. I need to go deeper. Babies also get irritable and will, but oftentimes it's because they don't know how to communicate. They can't talk yet. They can't tell you, I'm hungry. Mom, I'm hungry. My diaper needs change. They can't tell you that yet. They haven't learned to communicate. So what they do is, ah, and they cry. And then you got to figure out what it is that, that's wrong with them, right? <laughs> They're screaming, and I tried this, and I tried that, and I tried this, and nothing seems to be working. What's going on? And then finally, you hit it, and it's like, oh, it was this. I remember one time Zane was, was too young to, to uh, talk, and uh, I had taken him in the, the nursery, and someone else was in the nursery that day, and he kept screaming. And... And that was not his personality at all because he was a very content, happy baby. And so anyways, they, they came out, they got me, and I, I went back, and I'm like, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. But he was upset, screaming. And finally, I'm like take, starting to take off his clothes and stuff because I'm like, is something agitating him? Is something irritating him? As soon as the shoe came off, he was fine. When I had put his shoes on, his toes went underneath his, his foot. So his, his toes were curled underneath his foot with his shoe on all that time. Well, he couldn't communicate that. You know, you're trying everything. Is his diaper? Does he need, is he hungry? Is he this? Is he that? Who would have known? His, his, his toes were hurting, you know? And, and so I, I figured out so problem solved. But th this is what happens a lot of times if they can't communicate. If he would have been able to use words, he would have said, my toes are hurting, and it would have been solved quickly. But with a young baby, a lot of times they just react, and they cry, they scream. They, they, th you've got these reactions coming out of them, and you've got to figure out what's going on because they're still responding in the world's ways, in the world's mechanisms. They might be throwing a fit. They might be venting. They might be having their moment, and you've got to figure out out what the root really is because sometimes it may seem very surfaced but there's a root there and you got to help them process what is that root and how do we get that out how do we process through that how do we communicate how do we sit down and begin to be honest and talk about these things and not feel like we have to hide it and then just scream you see what I'm saying like sometimes people can no, there's nothing wrong with me, but then at the same time, the attitude is like way off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there is. You're not acting normal. <laughs> What's going on? So sometimes things can be a little more irritable. Also, a baby, if you ever had one of those kids that'll eat everything. <laughs> yeah, that was Zane too. <laughs> they crawl around on the floor and they'll find, you know, a screw and they put it in their mouth. They find a, a cracker that was left on the floor, put it in their mouth. They find a ladybug, put it in their mouth. Like everything goes in the mouth and they'll try to eat everything. Well, that's the same thing with, with newborn Christians many times. They don't know how to discern yet what is good for them and what is bad for them. Many times they'll try to take in a spiritual concept, but it may not be right and they may try to turn that into doctrine 
There was a, a guy that we knew once. He was the most loving guy. Honestly, a great witness in Christ concerning his love. And then he went away for a couple months, and when he came back, he was so different. And it was like something happened. Some, whatever he ate, whatever the doctrine was that he ate, now was coming across hard and very condemning. And it was like, you got to get the sin out of your life. And you got to, instead of being like gentle with the person and talking them through and growing them, maturing them through the process uh, as an example and in love, he became very like a hammer and was just going to pound it out of everybody. And you're like, what happened? Well, somewhere along the way, and I don't know what doctrine he swallowed, but it was a doctrine uh, of, you know, you got to get sin out. Because honestly, what happened is he was so loving that he, he didn't ever want to deal with sin with people. And it was almost like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just love and, and, you know, just accept everything. And, and we'll... We went vroom and went all the, all the way over here to the point where now we're going to pound it out of people. And there was like no medium. There was no discerning. And that's why it says learning how to discern both good and evil. And many times this is what happens as new Christians is you can find a, a person that they'll get and understand when, when we're in these stages, realize you can stop at a stage and never grow into adulthood. You can, you can be in a place where you stay there your whole life. So understand that it's not just, well, I'll just finally make it through and eventually get it. You have to make the, the effort to get it. You have to make the effort to grow into adulthood. It doesn't just happen. And because there's some people that they'll, they'll get like this and they'll stay that way their whole life. Where they've swallowed a doctrine that was not completely right. And in fact, that's why it says that, that we, First uh, Peter says that we're to crave the pure milk, meaning pure doctrine, pure doctrine, not contaminated, not diluted, not doctrine that's been tampered with, tainted, messed with, the pure doctrine, the pure milk of God. Because like that person, they went from one extreme where they were, they were even afraid to lead someone to the Lord because they didn't want it to, to be uh, condescending. But the thing is, you're, you're becoming so loving, but you're, you're still allowing people to go to hell because you're never giving them Christ. You're just showing Christ. But you're never leading them to Christ. And then you come clear over here where, okay, now I'm going to lead you to Christ and you better be perfect day one. There's a problem there. There's a huge extreme. And so we got to make sure. Or some people will get caught up in some sort of craziness where it's a doctrine that doesn't even, it's not spiritually going to affect you for eternity. But man, I'm hung up on this thing. I'm hung up on whether or not there's aliens. I'm hung up on whether or not, you know, the, the earth is flat or if it's round. I'm hung up on, you know, whatever it may be. And it eternally is not going to impact you. When Jesus comes and to take his church home, and you've been so focused on this, 
And it doesn't, and here you've used this to actually turn people away from Christianity because you've been so like trying to jam this down people's throats, but it doesn't even matter eternally. So we've got to be mature in the things of Christ and discern, discern. Babies learn through repetition. You ever, you, when the baby gets in the high chair and you start feeding them and, or they start feeding themselves and then they throw the spoon and then mom picks it up, right? And they're like, yes, new game. Throw the spoon, throw the spoon, throw the spoon. <laughs> and it's like repetition or you'll, you'll make the same face over and over and over because it makes them laugh. And they could sit there and do that, you know, for an hour and you're making the same face. They learn through repetition. Well, that's not a bad thing. Some things we need to keep a hold of in that infancy. Because it, just like the Bible says that we're to receive Christ like little children, we're to receive faith like little kids. Because little kids don't have doubt that enters in. They trust fully whenever they hear the word of God until the world begins to show them a different pattern. So we're to receive like little children when it comes to the faith in the word of God. But there's some things we need to keep, but then there's other things that we need to weed out. And, of course, repetition is one of those things that we do need to keep concerning Christian disciplines, whether it's, it's prayer, reading the word, those types of things. So that is important to keep. And also the innocence, uh, being, being that joy that, that when people first get saved and they're just sponges. Oh, I want to learn. I just want to learn more. I want to be hungry for the, I just want to get everything I can get. We need to stay in that place. We need to be desiring that all of our days. All right, well, that's infancy. Let's move on to childhood. Childhood. What about Childhood. Well, childhood, God starts to expect a little bit more out of us. Just like if you turn five, your parents start expecting you to start trying to tie your own shoe, start trying to, you know, do things yourself. When uh, all, all three of our kids learn to uh, ride their, their bike without training wheels all in the same year, <laughs> even though there's a... Uh, two and a half, three year span between all of them, but they didn't all have the same desire <laughs> at the same level. And so in that year, uh, Brad had to, to do a little prompting uh, with one of our kids because they got so used to uh, the training wheels. They didn't want those things to come off, although they weren't really using them. And you could tell they, they were riding along right on their wheels. They weren't using the training wheels. And, and then they would stop and put their foot down, you know, or, or just stop and then let it set on the train wheel and and just you know hang there but you could tell they didn't need them anymore so Brad's like you know what I'm gonna take them off but didn't tell the child that was Gracia wasn't it it was you <coughs> didn't tell Gracia uh, that he was taking them off so she gets on her bike and doesn't notice and just you know cruises down the road and 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 does great but then stops and didn't put her foot down, so now she falls. <laughs> and then she realizes, where's my training wheels? Who took my wheels off? And so it, it was that moment of realizing my, my support isn't there. My, my crutch isn't there any longer. And, you know, we, we as Christians, there are times that the Lord wants us to begin to rely on him and grow ourselves and to step an, up another level in him. And 
many times this happens when a person is a new Christian. We see this happen a lot. A person becomes a Christian. They desire uh, to, to grow in the things of God, and but they don't know how to pray. They don't know how to maybe discern certain things in the word yet, and you're helping them along. And, and they're beginning to see prayers answered, like left and right. And it's like, man, look at that. Like, God did that for him. God did this for him. It's amazing. And then they, after a little while, let's say a few months go by or a year goes by or whatever, and then all of a sudden, it's like they're, they're depending upon you in their prayer life. But now when you're praying for them, things are not happening as quickly. What's going on? Well, God is wanting them to grow and begin to stand themselves in prayer. I remember reading one time Kenneth Hagin uh, said that, that his wife would come down with this or that and he would pray for her and, and, and she would receive healing. But then there came a point where she was dealing with something and it was like he would pray for no healing, pray for no healing. And, and it was like, what's going on? How come she's not getting healed this time? And it was because he, the Lord told him she needs to stand on her, on her own two feet and not rely on you. And so it was like she had to begin to, to do that battle herself. And so he said, okay, what can you believe for? And she was scheduled for surgery for this particular thing. And she said, well, I believe that I can go through the surgery and, the, and there will be no complications and it will go through smoothly. That's where her faith level was at. So that's where they started. And so he agreed with her in prayer. But here's the thing. She needed to begin to apply her own faith instead of relying on someone else. And many times that's what's going on with us. We've got to realize, like, I've got to grow myself rather than relying on someone else's faith. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So God will begin to expect more out of us in childhood. This can happen with our emotions. Uh, sometimes children get hurt easily, offended easily. They manipulate. They, you know, there's all of these things going on emotionally with them, and and it's easy for them to to react instead of um, instead of praying about something. And again, waiting to hear from the Lord or knowing how to respond to something in the right way. And so a child many times will, will get offended and they'll just react to something instead of uh, allowing or blame someone, blame someone else for how they're feeling or what's going on in their life. Uh, you know, you hear the kids in the back say, he touched me. He's on my side of the car. You know, he did this. And the whole thing is just picking, picking, picking at each other. And, and it's, it's totally avoidable, but they'll just pick just to get on each other's nerves. And, and sometimes kids can be like that spiritually, or people can be like that spiritually, where it's just like they're, they, they are not going after Christ. They've hit this point where it's like, well, I've learned, I've learned some things. I don't, I don't need to learn as much now. I've already got so much under my belt. And, and it's almost like this, this state of dullness comes on where it, it's this uh, uh, pridefulness. 
that can come into place. And we've got to avoid that. We have to be very aware that that is a danger for every Christian. That as we are saved and walking in our, in our faith walk, we can't allow pride to set in. Also, children can be very easily distracted. You tell them to go clean the room. You tell them to go mow the lawn. You tell them to go do this. And then you, you go back out and, and it should be done or it should be at least halfway done. And you show up and, and, you're, and they're gone. Where are they? And you realize they, they, they got distracted by the toy they found under their bed. <laughs> well, I was cleaning my room, but I found this. <laughs> and so they start playing, but they're easily distracted. And that's the thing with, with spiritual kids sometimes, too. Like, they're, there's, they're going along, and then all of a sudden, boom, distracted. They can be distracted by, you know, whether it's, it's a job or whether it's, uh, you know, I heard someone say the other day, even rapid success. We see this happen time and time again. God answers prayers for the newborn Christian. Prayer answered, prayer answered, prayer answered, and then they leave. They forget who was the one that got them to that comfortable place. They forget the one that healed them. They forget the one that got them that job. They forget the one that, that gave them the bonus, that gave them the raise, that gave them the promotion. They forget the one that got them to that place of comfortability. And they'll leave, they'll leave the church, not because they got hurt, not because they got offended, they got distracted. And they allowed themselves that, well, you know, things are comfortable now. Things are okay now. So I'm just going to, you know, go on my boat this Sunday or go do this this Sunday, go do that. I'm not saying you can't go on vacation. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying it becomes a lifestyle. Where next thing you know, they're not even in church. They're not serving. They're not going after the Lord like they once were. Easily distracted. <coughs> also, children do not value silence. They are very talkative. Now, I know not all kids are talkative. Some, some do tend to be quiet. Some of them are, are qu more quiet than others. But there's a lot of times children, they talk, 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 And it doesn't matter if there's anybody in the room. You can still hear them talking. And, and it's like they'll talk to themselves just to hear something going on. Or they'll make noises. And it's like they can't handle silence. <laughs> they, don't want, they don't want silence. They don't value silence. And there's a, a talkativeness about it where they don't listen. And you could be trying to give them instruction. You could be trying to give them understanding, but they're just blah, 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 about their situation. I remember one time there was a, a guy that, that was, uh, I'd like to say receiving counsel, but he wasn't really receiving. He was just talking. And Pastor Brad was trying to give him a word that was dropped in his spirit. It was a word of knowledge, and he was trying to give it to him, but he didn't know enough. He, did, he couldn't discern. He didn't discern that that was a word that pastor was trying to give him to be the anchor for that moment in time. He just kept talking about a situation, and he wouldn't shut up. And it was like he had no idea that there was instruction that was happening. There was, there was a word of knowledge that was being given because he was, he was young in his walk with the Lord. <clears throat> the last one, quickly, kids like attention. They like attention. You ever, you ever have, you know, the, the kid that they learn something new, and they're like, Mom, watch me. Look what I can do. And they're like, 
you know, something like that. And you're like, good, honey. You know, but they, they just learn how to do it. You know, they're like two and they're learning how to balance or three. And, and <laughs> many times young Christians can be like that. They learn something in their faith or they, they, they're growing at a certain level. And, and so they like the attention. And so they're trying to, to find a platform before their time. Or they're trying to uh, do something before they're ready to walk in it fully. They're trying to come to this place where they're not ready to handle the weight of the responsibility. And so that is also another trait of being child, uh, a child in, in, that's young in the faith. What about adulthood, though? Well, let's turn over real quick to James. I want to read a couple scriptures out of James. Chapter 1. Because you see a lot of uh, adult-like qualities being mentioned here in these scriptures. James 1, verse 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. Endurance. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, or that word actually means mature, mature, and complete lacking nothing. That's where we want to be. Mature, complete, lacking nothing. How does it come? Endurance. Endurance. Running the race of endurance. I'm in this for the long haul. I am in this till I go to be with Jesus. I'm not going to try this out. I'm not just going to be here until something uh, goes wrong or the pressure's too much and then I'm bailing out or until something uh, starts to glitter off on the side and I get distracted and run out after that. I am in this all of my days. I am giving God my awe, endurance, even through thick and thin, through various trials, I push forward. Just like the, the word for this year, press on. I am pressing on for the prize. I am pressing on in my faith walk. I am pressing on in my, in my personal relationship with Christ. That is the mark of maturity. And then he goes through, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Wisdom, wisdom is a mark of maturity. What does that mean? Wisdom, just like the child that's talkative, wisdom doesn't just respond or react or just uh, immediately all of their emotions come out. Wisdom is when, which we talked a lot about wisdom uh, last month. And you can go back on the podcast and listen to those. But wisdom is the application of the word of God. It's not just hearing the word, but it's being a doer of the word. It's knowing how to discern between good and evil. Knowing how to discern between uh, how to apply this word. Because not everything is cookie cutter in the kingdom of God. There are times you have to discern what to do with a particular scripture and how to apply it. In fact, I, I was just thinking yesterday, you know the scripture that, that talks about whoever uh, does not hate his father, mother, brother, sister? You know that scripture? Uh, and, and I remember when I was young in, in my walk and thought, whoever doesn't hate his father, that sounds like the opposite of the love of Christ. What's that about? You know, what does it mean? Whoever, whoever does not hate 
his father, mother, brother, sister, his family, for the cause of me. And you look that word up, and it's whoever uh, favors their father or mother more, whoever esteems them more than me. That's what's going on. But if you take that scripture, you, and, and a young person is a young person in faith going, whoever does it, well, I, you know, my, hate my father and mother, well, pff, you know what? I'm just going to either one or the other. I'm not going to follow these scriptures anymore, and I'm going to turn away from God because this is crazy. I don't, I, I don't think God wants us to hate. So this Bible, I'm just not going to believe in it. It contradicts itself, and I walk away from it. Or I choose to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to hate my father and my mother, and I'm just not going to, I'm, I'm out of here. And I'm going to go live for God and forget them and, and not think anything of them. So it can go one extreme or the other because you don't know how to discern or rightfully discern the word of God. That's a mark of maturity when you can rightly discern the word of God and know how to apply it in your life. Able to discern what God also is doing spiritually in your life or in a service or what God is doing spiritually uh, in a moment of time. Being able to read the moment, being able to read the signs, being able to discern something that not everything on the surface is really what it is. Someone can look the part, but you're getting a, a spiritual discernment on them and you're like, uh, something's off here. Something's not right here. And it's the Lord trying to warn you of something, keep you from something, keep you from an evil intent that that person may have. Being able to spiritually discern, spiritually discern and not walk by just what you see, not walk by just what's going on or what the situation looks like. Also, mature people, they respond to the word of God. They, they are doers of the word of God. For instance, a child, which I never use this form of correction. I don't, I don't like it. The, the whole... Johnny, you need to come over here. One, two, and, and you're giving them more time to just disobey and, and more time to be disobedient. So I never used that. It was I'm telling you once and I expect it. And the thing is, mature believers will respond to the word of God the same way. They'll hear the word of God and they'll respond. Yes, Lord. You want me to change this? Okay, yes, Lord. They don't, they don't wait for uh, one year goes by, two years <laughs> go by, and I'm still doing this thing on the side that God told me not to do, or I'm still having an issue with this, and God convicted me of it five years ago, but I'm still doing it. They'll re mature believers will respond. Their method of correction is immediate, immediate. I listen when the Lord tells me what to do. Adulthood, another sign of adulthood, another sign of a mature believer is that they are humble. They are humble. Humbleness before the Lord and before people. It doesn't mean they're not confident in the Lord. There's a difference. You can be confident. And sometimes people can, can see confidence and say, well, they're arrogant. When it's not arrogance at all, it's confidence in the Lord and what, the God, and what God has told them to do. And they can be confident in what God has told them to do. But... They're humble in this sense. Dr. Morocco is, is like one of the most humble people. He truly is. 
We've seen him make decisions before for the best of the people. In fact, I was I was thinking a couple of years ago when we were having a, a one of our leadership meetings with our core team, and um, at that particular meeting, that was when uh, Zayn and Hailama were we're still here. For those of you that don't know, Zane is our oldest son. Hailama is his wife. So we were having a core meeting in the team and everything, and I don't even remember what the topic was. But there was a, a differences of opinion between Pastor Brad and Zane and me. And, and, you know, for us, it's just a family. You know, we're all just talking it out, you know, and we, we sometimes can talk things out adamantly with a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, emotion when we believe in something. And I was like, well, I think this, da-da-da-da. Well, if we do it that way, then da-da-da-da. Well, we noticed <laughs> that gradually the room began to get more and more quiet and more and more tense as we're adamantly proposing our idea and standing firmly behind it. Well, afterwards, we're like, well, were, were people, you know, upset? And Hailama, who, you know, is in the family now, so she's, you know, the, the one that's kind of outside coming in. She's going, well, I think it just made everybody tense because they didn't know if you guys were, like, mad at each other. And, and our method in our family is that everybody has a voice and we, we all get to be heard, but the, the, the authority makes the last call. And so we've just always operated that way everybody has is allowed to state their view is allowed to voice their opinion but the man of the house the authority gets the last call and so we had to go and apologize to the team later because even though is that okay is it okay for everybody to have it absolutely but we had gotten it to a place where it was tense for everybody else and it and it made it kind of like uptight so we apologized at the next prayer meeting we were having sorry guys we didn't mean for it to to grow into that we we were just uh, uh stating our own opinions humbleness though humbleness is a mark of maturity and we need to be humble for the the betterment of the body not because we are right, but because it's for the betterment of the body. Are we doing everything we can to make sure other people are not stumbling? Are we doing everything that we can to make sure that we don't become an obstacle or a stumbling block to someone else's growth? And if we need to apologize for things, then we need to do that. If we need to be humble about something for the betterment of the body or someone else's growth, then we need to do that. Humbleness is a mark taking ownership of your own growth, taking ownership of the mistakes that you've made, taking ownership of, of things that you've messed up on. That is a mark of maturity. And last but not least, and it's not the last thing that's a mark, but it's the, the last one I'm going to go over, is esteeming earthly things lightly. Esteeming earthly things lightly. A mature Christian knows that this is not the end. A mature Christian knows that this, this earth here, this time on earth, is not the end. And so they're not clinging, they're not holding to the material things of this world. They're not clinging and holding to the, the, the things that go on in this world. It doesn't determine their situations, um, their decisions. 
They make their decisions based upon the leading of God and the eternal effects of things, not because of a situation that's going on in their life and I'm responding by reacting. I'm responding because this has a hold on my life, because money has a hold on my life, because uh, my parents have a hold on my life, or my work has a hold on my life, or you know, this person has a hold on my life. I make decisions based upon my walk with the Lord and what he's telling me to do, and my eternal value, my eternal decisions is a mark of a mature believer. 1 John 2, 15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When we love the world, we're going to be in a place where we're constantly striving after the material things, the things that the world has to offer. It will cause us to keep a child mentality. But someone that loves God is gonna go after the things of God and they are going to dare to be different. They are going to look different than everybody else around them. They're going to look different than the world because their love for God is going to cause them to make decisions that look different. But they're going to trust in God and not in man. So I want to challenge you this morning. Minister Lee Howe, can you come to the keyboard, please? I want to challenge you this morning to crave the spiritual milk, to go after the meat, to grow in the things of God. It is a faith walk. And a child does not come out of the womb all grown up. Thank the Lord. (laughs) But a child grows and it takes time. And it's not just an immediate thing. It's not just like overnight, oh, I'm mature. And sometimes we can go through things and be like, man, I handled that wrong. Man, that was not very mature of me. But we learn, and we grow from it. And then the next time, we do better. And the next time, we continue to make better decisions, better decisions, better choices, as we allow the Word of God to mold us, to transform us, to grow us. But it's like that that one uh, part that I said, a mature Christian is going to allow the Word to change them. They will be a doer of the word, not just hearers only. It's the word of God. That's our medicine. That's that's the, the power that changes us. Without the word of God, then we're running amiss. We're like someone that doesn't have an aim, Someone that's, that doesn't have a target. Getting in your car and just driving, not knowing where you're going. Just, well, I'm just going to follow this road and, I don't know, make a left or a right, whatever I feel when I get there. In life, we have to know where we're going and the decisions that we need. That's why he says count the cost. Count the cost ahead of time. Not when you get there and go, well, you know, this is really going to hurt. I don't know if I can. Uh, no, I'm not going to do it. It costs too much. When you count the cost ahead of time and you say, I'm all in, I don't care what it takes. I don't care if, it, if, if, if I have to die for this. It's what I do. 
That's why I've said before, if it gets to the place in this nation, I, I believe that Christ will return before everything is completely haywire. But if it doesn't, and it gets to the place in this nation where they're killing Christians or they're sending Christians off to be executed, then I'll do it. I've already put myself in that situation in my mind. Why? Because I'm not going to wait until that moment and then try to make a decision under pressure. I've already made the decision in my mind. I'm all in. If they have a gun to my head, pull the trigger. I'm not renouncing Christ and I'm not living for the world because I have an eternity. I have something beyond this. This is nothing. This is nothing. These things will rot. The things of this earth are going to be burned up in fire. But my eternity is what I live for. My eternity with Jesus Christ, my Savior. The one that saved me. The one that died for me. The one that gave his all. And it's the only way that I am able to come out of the grips of hell. It's not by my works, and it's not by my power. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has everything in me. I don't live for anybody else. The decisions that I make, I make because of the love of Christ in me. I will make decisions for other people based not upon their reaction, but based upon the love of Christ in me. I heard a story yesterday of a guy that was a missionary in another land and, and he, was, he was being at a point where he was ready to be executed. They had a gun pointed at him and the guy kept threatening, kept threatening. But the thing that was stumping him was that the missionary was, was not all flustered. He was not like, okay, okay, I'll do what you want. He wasn't like that. He was calm. He was like, okay. And the guy was finally like, why aren't you afraid? He said, because I've already died. I've already died. See, the more that I die to self, the more I'm living in Christ. The more I die to self, the more he's filling me up. So my strength isn't coming from your, your tactic of manipulation, my strength is coming from him. My life comes from him. That's a whole different way of living. That's why you can walk not fearing. Because this life has no hold on me.